He's our liberator. He's our father. He's our planner. He's a God that is unchanging. And this morning, we will study a verse that is perhaps one of the most well-known verses in all the Bible. And I believe that the reason that this is one of the most well-known verses in all the Bible is because it really transmits or communicates to us one of God's most wonderful characteristics, and that is his love. Not only is it, by the way, well-known by Christians all over the world, but it's also a verse that's well-known even among those that are not Christians. In fact, in 2009, a few weeks before the uh, televised college national championship football game, uh, uh, the quarterback for the University of Florida by the name of Tim uh, Tebow began to want to write a verse uh, right under his eyes on the little shadow that they use sometimes when they play football. He was thinking about what verse he could write there uh, before the game and during the game. And he said this, he says, about six weeks leading up to the game, I was really agonizing and contemplating what verse to place under my eyes. And God kept bringing me uh, back to my heart and to my mind, uh, the verse John three sixteen, which he says is the essence of our Christianity. It is the essence of our hope. Well, that night, Tim Tebow went ahead and on the little eyeshadow that he wore, he put uh, John three sixteen. And during that game, that nationally televised game, uh, it was Googled. John three sixteen was Googled more than 94 million times. It was a verse that is now very much well known even uh, in our culture today that has gone a little bit away from the Bible and from the roots of our founding fathers. Yet it is a verse that is very much well known uh, by those here in the U.S. and by those all around the world. But, but this morning I don't want to really talk about the popularity of the verse of John 3.16, but rather I want to talk about the person that John 3.16 talks about. I want to talk about the love that it describes and communicates there in that verse. There's a great truth here in John 3:16, and I hope that we can grow and learn together this morning as we study it. It says like this in John 3:16, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life." I believe that this verse communicates to us three key aspects of God's love toward us. Three different, I guess you could say, paradigms or views about God's love. Because God's love is not something that's just very simple. It's not uh, something that's not as complex. God's love is very complex. It is very deep. Yet it's easy enough for even a five-year-old to understand it. Uh, God's love is something that moves us, that sustains us, that strengthens us. And this verse right here, John 3, 16, the most well-known verse really shows us three aspects of that love. And so as we study it this morning, I hope you'll have your heart open and your mind open to what it is that uh, God's word will teach us. But before we do that, let's pray and ask God uh, to help us this morning as we study his word. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here to your house. Thank you so much for your love and your care throughout this week. Thank you for the blessing that we have to be able to be here in your house. There's so many this morning that perhaps would have loved to be here, but are in uh, 
in a hospital somewhere or perhaps are just at home and are not able to get here because they're not feeling very well. Uh, Father, I, I, I thank you that as I think about just the, the fact that we're able to be here in your house, it's, it's a wonderful blessing. But now, Father, I pray that as we study your word, that you would open our hearts and open our minds, that we would be able to not only understand your word, but to receive your word and to apply it into our lives. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Help me to communicate this message clearly that I might be able to uh, be used this morning, that your Holy Spirit would fill me and control the words out of my mouth. I pray that to what is shared this morning would not be my thoughts, but your thoughts and your truth. And may it speak to the hearts of your people this morning. And I ask this in Jesus name. Amen. I want you to notice that the first aspect that we find here in John chapter 3, verse 16, about God's love is that God has a supernatural love. God has a supernatural love. In fact, someone once said, it is natural to love them that love us, but it is supernatural to love them that hate us. When you think about God's love, the first thing you ought to think about is God's supernatural love. The first phrase in that verse says, for God so loved the world. Uh, that, that little two words in the English language, so loved, it's just a, a, a small phrase that tries to describe that great love that God has for us. And perhaps what separates God uh, or the God of the Bible, from every other God in the world is this characteristic of love. You see, in every other uh, holy text of many other religions, you won't find in their text that their God is a God of love. A God that has ultimate love for his children. A God that chooses to love them. In fact, you'll find in most religions that the gods that they worship, whether it be Buddha, whether it be Hinduism, or whether it be uh, uh, Islam and, and, and Allah, all their uh, foundation for their view of their God and their love is that God will only help them and love them if they love him. In their religion, it teaches them that the love of their God is based really on their own love towards him. In other words, if they don't love Allah and if they don't love Buddha and if they don't want to follow him, then his love for them is one that is not there, is non-existent. But the God of the Bible is not that way. The God of the Bible is one that gives us his love, that chooses to love us, even though we don't perhaps love him even though we perhaps don't follow him. The Bible says that for God so loved the world, he loved every person in the world, not based on their love to him, but based on his love to them. You see, the supernatural part of God's love is this, we don't deserve it. God's love for us is something that we don't deserve. It's so incredible that we must realize that God's love is not dependent upon our love for him. In fact, the Bible says in 1 John 4, 19, we love him because first, he first loved us. God's supernatural love is one that shows his love for us first before anyone ever showed love toward God. Before anyone ever had a thought of, I want to follow God or I want to please God. The first thing the Bible says was that God first loved us. That is something that is supernatural. And you might say, well, 
Well, why do you think that that is something that is supernatural? We're going to learn about that in the next point. But we find that uh, we were not born loving God. In fact, the Bible says we were born enemies of God. We're born hating God. And we'll learn about that a little later on in the message. But we see that God's love is one that shows uh, in our life we, before we ever even had a thought of loving him. But not only that, God's love is so deep that you cannot do anything to earn his love or to make him love you more than he already does. God's love is supernatural in the fact you don't deserve it and the fact that he loves you uh, as much as you'll ever be loved. God's love doesn't grow or shrink depending on your love towards him. You know that there's nothing that you can do that will make God love you any less. You say, well, what if I don't go to church and what if I don't obey him? God still loves you. Oh, with the same amount of love? With the same amount of love. You see, God's blessing and God's love are two different things. God loves you despite whatever you do, whatever you say, however you live. God's love is always there. It's unchanging. It never will change. It never will disappear from your life. God's blessings can God's blessings are dependent on our obedience. God's blessings are dependent on our following him or not. But God's love is not. God's love is a supernatural kind of love. That's why I love what Jeremiah 31.3 says. It says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God was saying there to us in Jeremiah 31, 3, listen, I love you with an everlasting love. God's desire for you this morning, God's love for you is to, the, is to the point where he says, I want you to draw close to me. That's the kind of love I have for you. It's a supernatural love, one that you don't deserve, but it's also one that you cannot compare. You can't compare God's love. What can we compare God's love with? It's one that cannot be compared. I think sometimes uh, we can try to get a, uh, uh, something similar to God's love. We, we can think of perhaps a, a parent's love for us when we were born. You know, a baby when he is born or she is born, they, they can't feed themselves. They can't dress themselves. They can't clean themselves. They can't sustain themselves. But the parent is there to help that baby, to help that child. The parent will feed that child and dress that child and bathe that child and, and provide for that child everything that that child needs. And one can look at a parent's love and say, man, that, that, that is awesome love. But you know, even a parent's love can't compare to God's love. Anyone that is a parent here this morning knows there are times when it's difficult to love your children. There are times when you're at a supermarket and you're asking them to sit down in the cart and they're just not sitting down. And it's at those times when it's really hard to love your child. There are times when you get phone calls from school and you find out that they did something that they know they should never have done. It's difficult at that time to love that child. Sometimes our love can wane for our children. Sometimes it's a lot of love that we have for him, and sometimes it's like, I can barely stand you right now. You're lucky that, you know, you're my child. But it's not like that with God's love. That's why you can't compare it. Because there's nothing that really compares it. Even a parent's love will fall short 
from that love that is God's, from that which is supernatural. You see, because God's love is a kind of love that always looks for our good in everything. Have you ever thought about this? You know that God's love has no selfishness in it at all. Even in a parent's love, there's a little bit of selfishness. There's a little bit of, what am I going to get out of this? Uh, even in a love with a husband and a wife, there's a little bit of selfishness in it. There always is. The Bible says we were born sinners, we we're born selfish, and, and there's a little bit that taints our love because of that in everything that we love. But not so with God. God's love is one that has no selfishness in it at all. God's love is that he just wants good for you. I love what Ephesians chapter two, verse four and five say. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. One thing that Paul reminded those Christians in Ephesus about, and something that we need to be reminded about is this, God's love is great and it can't be compared. Even when we were despising God and hating God and away from God, God was still rich in mercy and he had great love with which he loved us. You'll notice there in Titus chapter three, it says, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Titus said, that used to be your lifestyle. That used to be, by the way, we're all born that way. Very rarely have I ever heard of a parent that teaches their children how to hate someone else, how to hate their brother, how to get in a fight with their sister, how to tell uh, the other person that toy is mine, how to say, hey, I'm not gonna obey mom. I'm not going to obey dad. Hey, let's not do this today. There's no parent teaching their children how to do that. We as children just know how because we're, we're born foolish and disobedient and hateful and hating one another. But I want you to notice that Titus there in the book of Titus, it doesn't just stop there. Paul continues writing. He says, but after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Paul says, listen, it's because of the love of God in our life. The love of God is what changes a person. The love of God is what has reached us and transformed us. That love that, is, that loved you even though you were disobedient, even though you weren't living right, that's a supernatural kind of love. I like what Richard Halverson said. He said, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There is nothing you can do to make God love you less. His love is unconditional, impartial, everlasting, infinite, and perfect. That's what it means to have a supernatural love. In John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world. And that just, it doesn't just say, so God for God just liked the world. For God considered the world. For God had pity on the world. No. It says, for God so loved the world. It's a supernatural love. But not only is God's love for us something that is supernatural, it's also something that is sacrificial. You see, the next phrase there in John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, God's love is more than just lip service this morning. He does more than just tell us of his love. He shows us his love. I want you to notice this morning about the sacrificial love that God has for us. It's something that is costly. It's something that is costly. You know, Amy Carmichael, a, a missionary to uh, the children there in India, said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You see, God's love for you and me was demonstrated in the fact not only that he says that he loved us, not only the supernatural love that he has for us, but the fact that he gave himself for us. He demonstrated that love. In fact, Romans 5, 8 says, but God showeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was something that was going to cost him. You know, all true love uh, costs something. Uh, when a husband really, truly loves his wife, it'll cost him something. And I'm not just talking about money and credit cards, okay? But it'll cost you your time. It'll make you vulnerable as a person. It, it, it is something that carries a great cost to show someone that you love them. I thank God that we have a God in our life that not only loves us even though we didn't love him, but one that was willing to show and give of himself for that love. One that was willing to pay the price for that love. You say God's sacrificial love is something that is costly. He gave his only begotten son. His only son for us. But let me just say, it's not only something that is costly, but it's something that is total. It was all that he had. You see, God was going to hold nothing back when it came to his love for us. He does not reserve just some of his love for himself. As I said, there is no selfishness in his love. But he was going to give all that he had he doesn't give halfway. He doesn't give half-heartedly. He gives with all that he has and all that he has. It's amazing when you think about God's love in your life. When you think about what God gave up, not only were you foolish and disobedient and hateful, not only were, were you someone that despised God and God loved you anyway, but then God gave the most precious thing he had, his only son. He gave that world that hated him his only son. He paid that price of love and he gave it all for us. It was a total kind of love. First Timothy chapter one, verse 15 says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom Paul said, I am chief. In other words, Paul is saying if if we were the only ones on this earth that had ever sinned, God's love is to the extent that he would have given himself just for you. God's love is one that there is no cost he's not willing to pay for you and for me. That's amazing love. That's a supernatural love. That's a sacrificial love. You know, when I think about that kind of love, it, it reminds me not only that God has that love for us, but God says, I want you to display that love to others. Jesus said, if you love me, then you'll do what I say. Jesus said, if you're going to be followers of me, then you ought to love others. And when he says love others, he means the same way that I have loved you, you ought to love others. 
Let me ask you something. It's a difficult question because even when I ask myself, it makes me cringe a little bit. But how did we do this week in that area of supernatural love? How did we do with our boss this week that perhaps was a little bit difficult? Or how did we do with our husband or wife that wasn't particularly lovely this week? Did we love them anyway? Did we show that we love them? What have we sacrificed this week for them? You know, God has modeled that kind of love and wants us to show that kind of love. And can I challenge you this week? If there's, if there's an opportunity this week at work to just show somebody that you love them, maybe, maybe that coworker that you don't always get along with that sometimes has that really strong personality that, that says something offensive without trying to be offensive, but they just come across that way. We've all worked with, with someone like that. We've all been that person sometimes, okay? But how about this week, maybe take them just a small gift maybe just a candy bar or a Snickers bar and just say, hey, I'm really, I'm really lucky to work with you. Thanks for being my coworker. So I might be, oh, that, that's crazy. That, that sounds like, what, what does that mean? You know, it can mean a whole lot to that person. It can make all the difference in the world. If we can just show God's love, that supernatural love, that sacrificial love, it it can change our world around. You see, it's what changed our world around. That kind of love is what has reached us this morning. William Gladstone was a, was a man that was to be chosen to announce the, the death of Princess Alice to the House of Commons there in England. And while he was doing that, he, he told a touching story said the little daughter of the princess was seriously ill with diphtheria. And the doctors told the princess not to kiss her little daughter and endanger her life by breathing the child's breath. The doctor said, I know you love your daughter, but what she has is contagious and it can get to you and it's, it's terminal. It's something that will kill you. So do your best to, to, to stay and keep your distance from her. Diphtheria is, is one of those diseases that's not only deadly, but it's, it's difficult to see someone go through because basically they're, they're sort of suffocating in their own uh, way where they can't really get their breath. And as this princess was seeing her daughter go through that, there was a moment where the child began to really breathe heavily and, and began to struggle to get the next breath. And, and as that child was struggling to get her breath, she turned to her mom and, and she said, Mom, Mom, I'm struggling to breathe. Mom, will you kiss me? And in that moment of love, that mom, not thinking for her own life or her own, her own safety, swooped down and picked up her child and kissed her right away. In that action, she, of course, received what the child had and eventually it took her life. But that story reminds me of God's love. One that wasn't really thinking about what he was going to get out of it. Nothing that was very selfish in it, but one that was willing to give everything. 
Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Then it says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I want you to notice that the last aspect of God's love is that it's a saving love. It's a saving love. You see, God's love is one that saves us from sin. You see, sin is deadly. Sin has the power to overcome, destroy, and condemn any person or any being that allows it to enter into their life. The moment that sin enters in a person's life, it begins to destroy them. It begins to tear them apart. It begins to slowly kill them. It's the most horrific and destructive disease the world has ever known. The disease of sin. It has divided families. It has led people to murder. It has led people to say hateful things. All as a result of sin in their life. Sin only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why the devil, the father of sin, does that his entire existence, his entire life, he's doing that now. That's his purpose, that's his goal. But can I say that God's love is one that saves you from that condition? God's love is one that saves a person from sin. It is the cure to sin. You see, God's love can rescue a person and cleanse a person from the filth that sin has, from the destruction that sin brings. You see, God's love has overpowered that sin. God's love has overpowered every aspect of sin. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, that's Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Romans 10, 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. One of the things about God's love that's awesome is that it saves you from that condition. You know, you don't have to be a hateful person and you don't have to be a dis disobedient person and you don't have to fight with your wife and you don't have to fight with your husband. You don't have to have a strained relationship with your kids. If you just allow God's love into your life. You see, God's love is what saves you from that sin. It's what mends those broken relationships. It's what helps that heartache in one's life. It's what fills the gap that every person has in their soul. God's love. It's a saving kind of love. It saves us, saves us from sin, but it also saves us from death. You see, Though sin is like a disease that's killing us every day slowly, ultimately, at the end, after sin has done its work in our bodies, it'll bring us to death. In fact, James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The ultimate result of sin in our life is death. But God's saving love can save you not only from being a bad person, from ultimately being condemned for that sin. 
God's love is such that it saves you not only from what sin is doing in your life, but what sin, will, what sin wants to complete in your life. And that's total destruction. We find that God's love for us results in salvation from death. In fact, John 5, 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and, not sh and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You see, God's love is what can save us this morning. Not our good works, not our good intentions, not even our good offerings. There's nothing that can buy God's love. There's nothing that can increase God's love in your life. Listen, the only thing that can save you this morning is God's love. It saves you from sin and it can save you from death that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, that saving love comes when we believe on what Jesus did for us. The Bible says that that only begotten son is the Lord Jesus Christ. And God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come on this earth and to live a perfect life, only to be crucified by sinners, to pay a penalty he did not owe. The Bible says if we repent from our sins and turn to Jesus, believing on him, he will save you today. That love can reach you and change you and transform you if you just call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This morning, God's love is a saving kind of love. In 1988, Anissa Ayala was a 16-year-old that had a a rare form of leukemia. And the doctors had said if she hadn't or if she didn't receive a bone marrow transplant, that she was going to die of that cancer. Well, they began to look for someone that would match her and be able to have that bone marrow transfer. And sadly, her parents were not a match. And sadly, no one else there that was on the list and that they tried was a match for her. And it seemed like the leukemia and that form of cancer there was going to take her life. But during that time, Anissa's mom got pregnant with another child. And it came to find out that that baby that was going to be born was actually going to be a perfect match to have that bone marrow transfer for her. And that baby was born thankfully healthy. And at 14 months old, they performed the surgery, did the bone marrow transfer. It was successful. Anissa was able to be cured of that leukemia and her little sister Marissa that was born, that was a perfect match, was also able to survive the operation. And they both went on to live healthy lives. I think about that story and I think about that little baby Marissa. You know, even when she was in her mom's womb, they knew she was going to be a perfect match. And they knew that the moment that she was going to be born, she was going to be born to be able to save the life of her sister. But you know, John 3.16 says that Jesus was sent to this earth to be born to save our life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish 
but have everlasting life. God's love this morning, it's a supernatural love, but it's a sacrificial love. And it can be your salvation this morning. I wonder, is that the kind of love you need this morning? Do you need to receive Christ as your Savior? Do you need to experience that saving love? And if you've had that already, then my question would be, are you displaying that kind of love with others? Is that a love that others can see in your life? Are you reflecting God's love? You see, there's many in our city there's many people at your job or at your school that the only Bible they'll ever read is you. There's many that the only, the only way they'll know God's love is not because they read John 3.16. The only way they'll know about God's love is just by seeing how much you love them. So the challenge this week is really simple. As we see God as we see him as the God that loved us, the question is, are we reflecting that love to others? The book of Matthew chapter five, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. And God said, if you love me, you ought to reflect me. The challenge this week is simply, let's reflect God's love. Let's do that in our home. Let's do that in our workplace. Let's do that at school for those that are in school. Let's do that kind of love. Let's show that kind of love to others. Let's pray. Father, this morning we, we thank you because as we think about your love, we think about how great that love truly is. Father, I... I, I I don't know of anything that we can really compare in our life to that kind of love. A love that is so divine, a love that is so great, a love that has transformed us completely. I pray that this morning, Father, as we have contemplated that love, as we have understood what that love means, I pray that for only just to have a 